I see the world differently. Many people who don't go to college are successful. And successful isn't just making money, but it's finding happiness, finding passion in what you do, um, finding alternative ways to make a living. Hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Me, Gwaich, for joining us today. Native Lights is, at its core, a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Every week we have wonderful conversations with great guests from a whole lot of different backgrounds. These are musicians, artists, culinary experts, doctors, educators. We're talking the movers and shakers of the Native community. So we talk to them about their gifts and how they share those gifts with the community. And it all centers around finding purpose in our lives and amplifying Native voices, which we will continue to do today. How are you doing, Leah? I'm well. How are you? Great, great. You know, it's... <laughs> Dang it. I always, I always have to immediately mention weather. I know. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's no, the it's, Minnesotan it's... way. <laughs> Doing great, just hunkering down. It's uh, like kind of like the bigger snowfall of the of the year for the Twin Cities area, at least. So, just hunkering down and uh, staying warm. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, just hanging out, um, enjoying these the the dark days of the year with with low light. Enjoying that. Um, really trying to get outside and. Get walking and remember that, you know, we live in a place where there's inclement weather or cold weather most of the year. So really trying to embrace that, wearing my my big boots, a big jacket, and just trying to be one with nature outside. But yeah, I'm super excited to talk to the folks we're going to talk to today. We're doing another conversation, another share, conversation share, where I share with you the great words of folks that I talked to who were in the Indigenous Parent Leadership Initiative cohort at the White Earth Nation. Remember, we talked to some other folks before, heard about their projects, um, all very exciting stuff. But to kind of kick that off, I wanted to ask you a question Oh, I sure. wanted to ask you, what is something you wish you knew going into adulthood that would have better prepared you for life? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a big list to whittle down. Um, but uh, I would say something that I'm always passionate about complaining about when it comes mm. to um, being prepared for adulthood is the fact that finance wasn't a bigger a bigger uh, emphasis in schooling when I was younger, like just knowing what credit cards do, knowing what a mortgage is, uh, you know, car payments, just these things that you are immediately dealing with when you're in adulthood. So it's stuff like that. Um, I I feel like schools have gotten better since (laughs) since I've gotten out, Um, but that was a big thing that was missing, at least for me. Totally. And I, I even remember... Like doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, being like, can can I make those appointments for myself now? Is that a thing I could do? 
Like when I went into college and and beyond and my early adult years, I remember distinctly being like, how how does that happen? Do they call me or do I call them? (laughs) Doesn't mom just set it up? Come on. I know. Our parents did a great job. Uh, However, there were some details, minor details and major details that that could have saved us a little bit of mm, grief. Maybe <laughs> going forward into adulthood, um, but yeah. So there's there's that. There's like those life skills things that would be totally helpful, and um, yeah. I was just curious, like if you had thoughts on you know what would help out, and those are totally big items. So today we are hearing from graduates of the Indigenous Parent Leadership Initiative from the White Earth Nation cohort, and this week we are chatting with. Karen Jones, and Stephanie Longfield, and both of them work in the behavior health sector, and their projects align with their strengths and passions, and they are doing projects to help the young adults in their communities kind of transition into adulthood. So there's like the traditional side, the traditional teachings that that the young adults will carry forward with them and the life skills teachings that they'll carry forward with them. So really wonderful ideas. And Karen Jones's project is a traditional healing home for young adults ages 16 to 21 years. And she says that she sees these struggles every day of young people coming from homes that you know, could use more support and they turn to substance abuse. And so having a place to find a good path uh, while utilizing Anishinaabe traditional healing is really important to Karen. And also Stephanie Longfield has a role in this as well. And her project is preparing our youth. And she's focusing on young people, again, teaching them life skills um, you know, that you don't necessarily learn in school, that maybe we should, but, you know, school has, it can only do so much, right? So learning life skills like opening a bank account, building credit, um, how to maintain vehicles and what it takes to buy a home. Oh, well, I, <laughs> I want to get in on that class even these days. So, um, yeah, she's looking to create a survey to kind of find those gaps where she can start filling by this curriculum. So without further ado, let's hear from my conversation with these two lovely folks from the White Earth Nation who are working to support their community. My name is Karen Jones. I come from Pine Point. I'm a mother of five. I work for, I'm a community health outreach worker for um, Anji Bamadizi, White Earth Behavior Health. Well, my community project is a traditional healing home for youth that are aging out of foster care for young adults and those that suffer with substance use. Because most of the time when kids are in foster home and they turn 18, they leave. They don't stay. And there's a lot of kids that just wander i see it in my own community a lot of them are turning towards you know substance use some of them are becoming incarcerated and they're at a risk because that's what usually happens 
this traditional healing home would would, would help them learn their life, basic life skills, acquire uh, their own housing stability, you know, jobs, you know, and with the cultural part, they would learn our Anishinaabe teaching, hopefully become leaders and future helpers, you know, and maybe take the lead and start helping others. Yeah, it's great that she's, you know, catching these youth at the, such a pivotal moment in their lives when they could turn a certain way. Yeah, and it's always possible to get back on that good path. But, you know, to have that support at a younger age is a really wonderful opportunity. And Karen has her own journey finding her path to this point, much of which came from a desire to help her people. I'm currently in recovery. Back in 2018, I went to jail on some charges and I was under, you know, I was under the influence. I went to treatment. I was in treatment for like 67 days. When I was in jail, I met this lady named, uh, she used to come into jail and talk to people. You know, her name was Nancy. Her name's Nancy Kingbird. And she's like, okay, when my girl, when you leave here, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go home, kiss my mom. She said, what else are you going to do? I said, I'm going to help my people, you know. and. I never really thought about it till like last spring when she bring that up. Remember when you said you were going to do that? I said, yeah, you know, but I went to treatment and when I came home, I was an outpatient and I was like, well, they said, oh, I only have to do it eight weeks, you know, and they said, well, you got to go to meetings and I didn't have a car, and, you know, and there was no meetings in Pine Point. So I created a talking circle and it went on for like a whole year. And after that year, I decided, you know, I'm going to give back, you know, I'm going to give back what my recovery has done for me, you know, because running that talking circle, you know, really changed the person I was. And I was said I was going to give back. So I held uh, the first sobriety feast in Pine Point and it was like huge, you know, like bigger than I thought. I invited people to come speak. I had the late Murphy Thomas was my, you know, my spiritual advisor. So and my MC, and he got up and he did some amazing teachings. He prayed for us, you know, he talked about the path that we would take from here, you know. He said, this doesn't only have to happen. This is, this has to happen in every community here. And sure enough, it took off. The next month, I, for some reason, I chose the last day, the last Wednesday of the month. I'm like, Nobody does anything on Wednesday. Well, apparently there was all kinds of things going on on Wednesday, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, Leech Lake was doing theirs on the last Wednesday of the month too. So I'm like, what? <laughs> and we moved to, uh, it's and it stays the last Wednesday of the month. So it moved to Natawash, then it went to White Earth, and then it was in Monoman and it was in Rice Lake. And we were doing that every summer, you know, we would host them, you know, I'm really proud of it, you know. Now it's called the Healing Feast, and it's been taken over by the fire program, which is, I'm really happy for. I mean, this is just another example of, you know, something that we see in the Native community is people who have struggled with their own, uh, you know, addiction, not only overcoming that, like, like you would take our brother, for instance, but also... Um, then helping the community around them deal with that same thing. So you could easily, you know, just 
say it's good to go and and do that and move on with your life. But these people are, you know, there's much more to do with addiction. So they're they're helping, and I, I it's great. Yeah, exactly. And really, who better to empathize to with substance abuse and addiction than somebody who's gone through it? Karen experienced a particular incident while on her job doing a crisis response that stuck in her mind that really illustrated the need for supportive housing. And as a heads up, Karen does reference suicide. So take that as a notice for this next section. One morning, it was even before I get up for work and I got a phone call, you know, I have to respond. We need you at this house and the address was like right pretty much across the street from me. It was an abandoned house, but there was a young girl there who was suicidal. And when I started talking to her, she talked about how she had aged out of foster care and that she had nowhere to go. And everywhere she goes, she wasn't wanted. So we got her in touch with the crisis team. You know, they took her in, took her into the emergency room, you know, for further evaluation and stuff. I've never seen her again, you know, and that situation and just seeing like, you know, we all have relatives at high points in small communities. So, and just seeing kids that you know that are just wandering from here to there, you know, and you know they're going to end up. That's my biggest motivation right there, you know, like, because that's, that's what it's all about, stopping it before it happens. I really feel for this young woman that Karen is talking about not having that feeling of belonging, which is so crucial for just moving through the world. And my heart goes out to her and I hope she's doing better. But yeah, this is where Karen's project comes in is really creating that sense of belonging for young people in the in their community. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, belonging is such like a, a core of human experience to like do the good work that people are doing. So um, just for her to set up a system to address that is very inspiring. So here's Karen with a bit more detail on the project and where she sees it going in the future. Okay, the plan was to to have two homes, one for girls, one for boys, you know, from 18 to 22. Give them the, all the cultural teachings, help them gain those basic skills, you know, finish school, get a driver's license, hopefully go to college and just motivate them. And if they needed substance use, we'd, you know, we'd put them, get them the help they needed, get them the peer support they needed and everything else. I've talked to a lot of people about it, you know, and I know it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be one to get it off the ground, you know, but everyone's saying it's needed, you know, it's needed, this is needed, this project is needed. Right now I'm just torn between my current job, you know, I love my current job, but in order to get this off the ground, you know, I, I believe this is this is so needed. I I talked about it online, on social media, and I had I had those nieces and nephews that I'm friends with, you know, those ones that are struggling, react to that. They're like, man, that'd be so cool, you know, like they're like, I wish I would have had that, you know, and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know what, you guys are the reasons why I'm doing this. I think. Right from the get, I would want to, you know, make sure they have their 
their names and start teaching them, you know, teach them those tobacco teachings. We would use, you know, sweat lodge and everything, everything we could, you know, whatever they needed do that way and teach them, you know, protocol and teach them, you know, some Ojibwe language. I think knowing how to pray in our language is very important. So I think that would be very important for them, you know, and that would be something they could carry with them, you know, no matter where they went. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're hearing from two people who participated in the Indigenous Parent Leadership Initiative through Indigenous Visioning in the White Earth Nation cohort. Karen Jones and Stephanie Longfield have both looked at their strengths and the strengths of their communities to start projects to support young adults. So Karen Jones is working on the housing and traditional teachings. And remember, Karen and others are in this cohort of the Indigenous Parent Leadership Initiative. So they're not working on these ideas in a vacuum. Their ideas are actually being bounced around and strengthened and shared. And the other person I talked to, Stephanie Longfield, comes in in this same space to help with the life skills portion, the paying the bills, applying for loans, building credit. And I got to say, I still don't know what all affects one's credit score. So sign me up for a class (laughs) on this because I follow my credit score You know, and it'll say, hey, great job, you know, paying this off. Your credit score went up. I'm like, cool. And then then the next day, they're like, hey, you paid this off. What'd you do that for? Your credit score is down. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, and then it affects, you know, buying a home, renting. All these things are super important that we don't necessarily think about until it comes up. So here's Stephanie. My name is Stephanie Longfield. I am 33. I live in Manoman currently, and I am a case manager working with civil commitments in behavioral health. I am also part of the rapid response team that Karen has just speaking about. I am also in recovery, and I have a 17-year-old daughter who is a senior going to graduate this year. So Stephanie knows what it's like to grow up quickly and need support to help figure things out. And we're all very capable people, but some of these things are just tricky. So here's Stephanie talking about her project and how her own story informed her project as well. My project evolved a little bit from one thing to another thing to another thing. And then, like, me and Karen had discussed the home that she's speaking about and so then it kind of turned into like I would do one part of it she would do the traditional part of it it all kind of leads back to like me growing up it seemed like I couldn't wait to become an adult I raced towards it I had a daughter a kid at 16 and when I finally became an adult and was responsible for my child I had no idea what I was doing I felt like my mom my parents did not prepare me for much no work skills, no, you know what I mean? People skills, no idea how to do anything other than what she could do for me pretty much. And that in itself, I guess, led me to fail at a lot of things because I was so used to, 
this is how you live and you do the least amount of work and try to get as much money as possible. And that's not right. I also was given the thought that the only way to be successful is you have to go to college and you have to work 40 hours a week. And you know what I mean? Like, that's it. Well, now growing up, I have gotten sober. I see the world differently. Like many people who don't go to college are successful and successful isn't just making money, but it's finding happiness, finding passion in what you do, um, finding alternative ways to make a living. So with my daughter, up until a few years ago, like I said, I had pushed, you're going to college. That's what you're going to do. Um, that's the only way you're going to make it. She does not like school. Like even now it's a battle to get her to school. She's working at it just to make it and to graduate. They said, okay, well, I'll make you a deal. If you graduate, have a plan. If you don't want to go to college, have a plan. So then I started kind of reading and researching on alternative ways of making an income and making a life for yourself. There's so many different ways that I never realized you could do just at home on your laptop alone. So that's kind of where I got. But then I also want her to know how to open a banking account, how to apply for a mortgage, how to look for resources and what resource, you know what I mean? Like things that she might need in time of crisis. Um, Kids, I want them to understand how to apply for food stamps. I've met adults who don't know how to do that. Adults who don't know how to apply for assistance, you know, medical assistance, any of it. So I think kids nowadays need to be taught these different things that they aren't being taught in school. I think it would be really interesting to show them that going to college and reaching for that dream that everybody says is it isn't the only way. Because, you know, in all honesty, there are a lot of kids who don't like school. There's a lot of kids who don't learn that way and will, won't make it. I'm, I'm one of those kids. I went to college and I could do all the hands-on, but when it comes to reading and writing papers, couldn't do it. So I feel like that's a barrier for a lot of kids. So finding other ways to make a living and make a life for themselves would be very interesting to teach in my opinion. And then just, you know, basic life skills, like making doctor and dentist appointments, following up on those things and how important they are, you know, health, nutrition, like there's a lot of different things kids don't realize that I think we need to be teaching them and preparing them better for the world. I love how Stephanie is using her experiences as as a person and as a parent to think about these creative ways of living and walking in the world that aren't the the prescribed ways of doing so. And at the same time, understanding that we all need to have certain skills at the same time (laughs) to be able to, you know, do the basic stuff. My reaction on this is kind of all over the place, but I just I think it's should be a basic you know human right for everyone to have the resources and tools to succeed. Uh, you can definitely hear the passion she has for making things right for others, helping get those tools and resources to them so they don't have to deal with this lack of knowledge preparation mm-hmm. for adult life. Um, and also, you know, minus having the kid part, I can definitely remember uh, that youthful drive to be an adult. 
you know, maybe it's a societal thing, but the race to adulthood, you know, not only robs people of their childhood, but leads to many being unprepared. And her finding these alternate ways or thinking of these alternate ways to teach children can help with that and fill those gaps that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, filling those gaps is super important. But you also need to know what gaps to fill, right? So part of Stephanie's project is a survey. You know, getting that information as to what the needs of the community are. My first plan is I want to do like a survey. And I want to try to reach those kids who are juniors or seniors You know what I mean? I want to find out what they are learning in school, what they do know, what they would like to know, things they don't know at all. Like, um, and I want to kind of use that data to build a curriculum, so you say. And then I want to present it as I'll probably work really closely with Karen in this, honestly, but I want to build a curriculum so that I can present it when we do get it off the ground that this is what we will be working with the children on. So that's that's kind of my plan, is the survey, the data, and then move forward with that. I mean, it's so, it's so straightforward and yet so effective. I wish, like, I wish there was like a freshman, you know, you go to college, at least that's what I did, and I wish there was this little, like, intake survey. <laughs> like, what? Don't you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can be a math whiz, but also at the same time not necessarily know how to grocery shop. Yeah. Like, you know, how to stock a kitchen. Oh, Yeah, I've had many, you know, well, not many. I've had some roommates who are, like, super smart, but when it comes to, like, <laughs> just cleaning up around the house or doing things like that, you know... They need some work, so it's good. It's good. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're hearing from two people who participated in the Indigenous Parent Leadership Initiative through Indigenous Visioning in the White Earth Nation cohort. Karen Jones and Stephanie Longfield have both looked at their strengths and the strengths of their communities to start projects to support young adults. It was like ping-ponging. We all bounced ideas off one another. So like my idea kind of came from, like I said, Karen in the house. And then there was another uh, woman, Marlena Hansen, who talked about a skills class. So then that kind of got me going thinking, well, man, you know, with my experience, my daughter's experience, and just thinking about all these kids who are, like Karen said, aging out of foster care and they're not prepared at all for anything. So then I started kind of working like maybe that's something I can work on, you know, helping kids become more prepared when it does come time that they are on their own. So that's kind of how mine came. So again, the Indigenous Parent Leadership Initiative doing really cool stuff and supporting their cohort with guidance, a little bit of money to help them take these projects and get them off the ground. 
Jimmy Gwaich to Karen Jones and Stephanie Longfield. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Giga Wobman. If your loved one is in crisis and needs help, you can call 988 or text SAVE to 741-741. Again, the number is 988, or you can text SAVE to 741-741. Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.